0: Happy Bitcoin Wednesday, freaks. It's your boy Odell here for another Citadel Dispatch. Citadel Dispatch is an interactive live show focused on Bitcoin and Freedom Tech. Coming from you live from the studio with a repeat guest here. Very excited. But before we get to that, I want to thank all the freaks who continue to support the show using podcasting 2.0 apps and our BTC pay server located at CitadelDispatch.com. So, Dispatch is 100% audience-funded without ads or sponsored, focused purely on actionable discussion. That would not be possible without you. When it comes to the Podcasting 2.0 apps, my two favorites are Fountain Podcasts and Breeze Wallet. You simply load it up with some sats, search Citadel Dispatch, press the subscribe button, choose how many sats you want to stream to the show, and then as sats per minute, you want to stream to the show. And then as you listen, uh, it will stream sats directly to my node. Uh, just a little warning. If you use Fountain Podcasts, it is a custodial wallet. So do not load it with too much money because you have to trust them. Well, actually, you trust lnpay.co, which is the custodial pro- provider they use. Um, this show is also supported using a feature called Boosts. Boosts allow you to, well, boostograms allow you to send a one-time payment and include a message with it. As always, I will be reading the top boosts from the previous episode uh, to shout out the freaks who continue to support us. Since last episode, I have changed the SAT split on the show. So you were already supporting... Dispatch, and you're already supporting open source development through OpenSats, but now also direct funding will go to the No Bullshit Bitcoin audience funded News Desk, the Raspberry Blitz Dev Fund, the RoboSats Dev Fund, the SeedSigner Dev Fund, the Zeus Lightning Wallet Dev Fund, and PodcastIndex.org. So when you support Dispatch, you don't only keep this show ad-free and sponsor-free, but you also directly support other community funded bitcoin projects which is pretty cool it's kind of almost like a reverse sponsorship um so i'm pretty excited about that i've been told by the various podcasting 2.0 teams that i've had i'm pushing the splits to their limit it is the most splits for a podcasting 2.0 podcast and as a result uh they told me the boost might be slower but i like pushing the limits so we will see how it goes you freaks test out the boosts and we'll reassess next week if I have to remove some projects but I'd actually like to add some projects so hopefully that's not the case let's get to reading the top boosts we have the highest boost dispatches ever gotten from at hut he says internal gratitude Matt can't tell you the impact you've had much love to you stay humble if you make it to Vancouver Island I have a bottle of whiskey with your name on that That also goes to all plebs listening. Shout out to Hutt for 210,000 sats. We have our boy Chad Farrow who gave 10,000 sats without a message. I think he was testing out if the splits worked, and they did. We have CA Danner saying, Muchas gracias. MBK is never boring. She's awesome. She's actually got some artwork in Bitcoin Park uh, that we have up on display and available for sale, which is pretty cool. We also have Roughneck Miner coming in at 10,000 sats. Always great signal coming from the dispatch. If you're ever in North Dakota, hit me up. I'd be happy to host you and any others you bring to all the ND Bitcoiners. Let's get a meetup going. So those are some of the top Boostergrams. What's pretty cool is if you open Fountain Podcasts or other Podcasting 2.0 apps, you can see all the boostograms yourself uh, in their entirety. Also, huge shout out to all the freaks who join us in the live chat both on Matrix and through Twitter and Twitch. I know I told you, freaks, that I heard from a lot of you that you wanted a YouTube stream. I did attempt to upload all the the whole archive of Civil Dispatch and start streaming onto YouTube as well to give you that option. Uh, But they banned my account saying that it promoted scams, spams, and deceptive content. So don't hold your breath on that one. I did press that appeal button, but they can go fuck themselves. You can obviously watch the show on Twitch, as I said, BitcoinTV.com. I'm also posting the archives to Rumble and Telegram. And you can listen in any podcasting app. My favorite that's not podcasting 2.0 is AntennaPod. by just searching Citadel Dispatch in that app. If you do not have stats to spare, it does help the show. If you press the subscribe button, leave a review. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Okay, with all that out of the way, I know it was a little bit slower this time, but we've been having a fun day here at Bitcoin Park. So my mind is a little bit all over the place. We have good friend, ride or dive freak, and repeat guest, Tony, here in the studio. How's it going, Tony?
1: Let's fucking go. Um, I'm really great. Uh, this is kind of incredible what you guys have got here. You know, I was in Nashville, I guess, last um, four or five months ago. Um, You guys had a solid operation. I was impressed even back then. And uh, yeah, let me just say this is pretty amazing.
0: Uh, while Tony is in here, he's also looking at one of the other co-founders of Bitcoin Park, Rod. If you heard um, a door close and chairs moving, that was Rod being extremely loud as we started the podcast. That's also why I was a little bit distracted this room is extremely soundproofed but it does not account for rod entering while we are starting the recording hello rod (laughs) anyway guys um so what are we going to talk about today we're going to talk about decentralized identifiers formerly called uh often called dids we're going to talk about this concept of web 5 that was proposed by block formerly square and we're going to talk about lightning privacy tony was actually on the show for dispatch 21 i think we we spent over two hours specifically on lightning privacy so if you haven't listened to that consider listening that after this dispatch uh tony has the honor of having both episode 21 and 69
1: completely coincidence too i did not plan this
0: and you have a couple others there was one uh that i just shilled today that was 57 which was the crowdfunding one which i thought was really good
1: yeah, I met um Sat Sale in Austin for a hackathon um like two weeks ago. Um we just randomly stumbled into each other and was like, Hey, you were Tony on Citadel Dispatch, right? We had never met each other in, in person. He's Australian. I
0: still haven't met him yet. He was like locked in Australia for yeah, a while. So
1: apparently he got out and made it to Austin. Um so it was kind of beautiful to be like, Wow, okay. Um, you know, I I don't get the honor of having, you know, so many podcasts. So like every now and then um, someone will come up to me and it's kind of surreal. They'll be like, yeah, you're, you're Tony, right? You're, you're on Citadel Dispatch you Let's know, fucking go. all the time. Um, and it's kind of an honor. Um, it's kind of crazy to see like, um, especially on the topic of privacy, you probably get this way more, um, and quite often, but like just normal people that care about privacy coming up to you and saying, thank you for your work in privacy. Um, it's surreal, honestly.
0: It makes it all worth it. Yep. Especially since when you publicly talk about privacy, you hurt your own privacy. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly it, it's not easy uh, it's like the privacy paradox right like the more you know you have to lose and the information you leak out but then you're still doing it anyways it's like this um, paradox inside your head um kind of fucks with you a little bit sometimes
0: 100% um, so just to the freaks I mean I know we're all still getting used to me deviating from the usual dispatch schedule rather than every Tuesday we are doing um, whenever I have good guests that are in person in the studio, because I like the in-person rips. Uh, We actually have a massive meetup. Uh, Looks like over 200 people are going to be here next week, uh, including a huge contingent from the Austin side. Um, So just, you know, I don't know if you want to use Twitch. I don't really want to tell you to get a Twitch account. It is controlled by Amazon. Um, But if you join our Matrix channel, which you can go to uh, at CitadelDispatch.com, and click the little chat button. I will notify people when we go live, uh, try and give you some heads up. Uh, But there's going to be a lot of fucking rips over the next week and a half because so many people are going to be in town. It's just going to kind of be nonstop. I'm going to overload you. And then there might be a little bit of a break after that because I'm going to Colorado for the Beef Initiative to do... um, to help ranchers learn how to use Bitcoin and for them to help me become a ra- want to rancher. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. I think I will have a mobile recording set up. So there might be some still dispatches during that, but just anyway, I just want to give you a heads up that there's going to be a bunch of dispatches, go through them at your leisure in your favorite podcasting app. Join us in the live chat. However you want to do that, you do that. Okay. So with all that said, uh, Tony, and also I imagine Tony is going to be on a lot of those too. So get used to his voice. um, Tony, so decentralized identifiers, DIDs, uh, they get a lot of hype. Uh, I know you're pretty bullish on them. You wanna, you wanna give us your best shill? Why should we care?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say right ahead. Um, you know, this this isn't exactly the hill I want to die on. On decentralized identifiers, he's dying on the hill. I'm dying on this hill right now. But um, honestly, like I see it more as a means to an end. Um, as as far as like progressing towards a more decentralized web a real decentralized web none of that crypto bullshit. um i don't like quite care exactly how we get there and exactly how it looks like i know there's a lot of different options a lot of different proposals some competing some not um but all that said i do i am pretty bullish on decentralized identifiers and i think um you know there's some trade-offs but i think all in all there's Dids get a lot of hate too because they did get a lot of hate they get a lot of hate um, i thought i people, was the only
0: one that i'm a, I'm a little bit skeptical
1: no about uh i i see a lot and the common thing i always hear is the fact that they think the government's going to have like a new world order and like Dids are going yeah, to be identities and
0: this is the problem like i had a very long great conversation with tony the other day and he's just preempting my talking points uh but anyway continue
1: no, I mean that's like the number one thing I hear, and it's it's honestly like valid points. But I guess yeah, I guess we are jumping into some of the weeds there. In, in, and <laughs> yeah, in,
0: give us the basic show. Why should people care?
1: You should. What care. the fucker did? Yeah. So they're your they're your own identity. Um, no one controls them. No one, except for you. No one else controls them. <laughs> um, <laughs> That'd
0: be pretty bad. If yeah. You didn't no control one. Them. Yeah.
1: You just have, there's a bunch of IDs out there. You don't even you can't even touch them. Um. Only you control them, um, they allow you to interact with other decentralized identities as well. Um, you can spin up a whole bunch of decentralized identities too, so it's not like your own like single um, digital identity that like tracks you and, you know, you have to use one did to sign into every services. So it's, um, there are some privacy benefits to using decentralized identifiers at its core. Um, it's not just like one big surveillance network and one big, you know, ID tracking system. Um, but really it's just for being able to coordinate with other, other people that have DIDs, um, be able to chat with them, communication, access their services that they may offer, um, and you can have a whole array of self-sovereign identity stacks, like on your own Raspberry Pi. You can have it redundantly also in various clouds, too. Like, I mean, you stream to both uh, Bitcoin TV um, and 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 YouTube and, and other. Not to YouTube. Well. Not to YouTube right now. Yeah. Twitch, uh,
0: Twitter, BitcoinTV.com.
1: Exactly. And you do that. So in case one goes down or one gets censored, you have backups, right? Well, the whole that concept can also apply to DITs as well. Um, so I consider it more just like, you know, represents a person, but it doesn't, um, you know, that's not the whole picture. You can spin up a whole bunch of identities and you all, you control them all and no one, no one can take that away from you. So I
0: guess if we're going to talk about dids, which I mean, they're IDs. So we should start with what our what is our current ID process? Right. Right. Which is we are, we literally, you go to your local government and you get permission from them and they give you this document, usually in the form of a card and you, you know, you have to go through whatever identity procedures they require from you. Um, They take a picture of you, they put it on the card, yada, yada, yada. So when you have those IDs, then you try and interact with digital services and they, if they require ID verification, they do um, the standard KYC procedure that a lot of Bitcoiners have turned a blind eye on, but have gotten used to, which is, you know, upload your, your passport or your driver's license, maybe take a selfie, put in your address, your email, your phone Full number, social security number, firstborn child's blood type, Um You got to go through that whole procedure and then they do their own like fraud thing on the side to try and prove that that's actually you because there's there is a shit ton of fraud that fakes the KYC system or they use stolen credentials or they use uh, bought credentials. People don't realize there's like marketplaces where you can just buy ID information for these KYC services or already KYC accounts. So with with digital IDs, the promise is a more open system or decentralized identities in general, but I, I guess I like calling them digital IDs. But I guess it's not as
1: uh, yeah, because digital IDs can mean that centralized. It's, it's centralized, right? Like it's the government's database of an ID for you,
0: right? So at at its core, a, a decentralized ID is. I like to think of it as like a public key-private key pair, similar to your Bitcoin keys, um, that you and only you control, that can be cryptographically verified like ownership of a Bitcoin key can without giving up control of it. So it can be instantly proven that you actually have control of this ID. And then the way I understand the main proposal for it, which is coming out of Block now, formerly Square, but previously at Microsoft during their Ion project because the lead dev CSU Wildcat went from Microsoft to Block, but I guess there's a bit of a partnership there is so, you, then you have that base layer decentralized ID, and then different participants can sign proof from their own ID that you are who you say you are or a different information about you, right? So they can, um, and that could be Tony signing mine saying, like, Matt's a good dude, or that could be the New York government saying Matt's a resident of New York. Or that could be Facebook saying Matt's a Facebook user and this is an account, or it could be any type of service. Uh, Airbnb could say, you know, Matt has rented this many Airbnbs and he's always been great, or whatever. Or it could be a partner in a trade that says, you know, Matt traded me Bitcoin for dollars and or Bitcoin for a car and now and it was a great trade and he didn't fraud me. And different services can choose. How much weight they put for those different identifiers uh different signatures is that would you agree with that yeah
1: and premise? a large part of, of what you described too is um even a separate system in and of itself um all of the stuff around it, this person says this thing about another person all of that is it uh, along the lines of verifiable credentials um and that's actually how i got my start in the bitcoin space back in 2018 um joining some of these w3 communities and um, working at a company where that was our bread and butter, just the verifiable credential aspect. and it and it really is it's it's not you don't need dids for verifiable credentials. So that's why it came out first. Um there's been previous um, you know ID system like like open badges and and a few others that are you know could be centralized or not. Um, verifiable credentials in and of itself are not opinionated about. What kind of ID you use to represent a person? So much of what you kind of had said there is on the verifiable credential side, but they work hand in hand with digital identities because exactly, or decentralized identities exactly for that reason. Because you may not actually have any other information about a decentralized identity besides like some very basic information such as keys. Um, there's you can the cool thing is you can list many different keys inside your digital uh, your d- decentralized identity um all it is really is and it's, it's so funny too when i hear people get scared of dids and the way it's heading it's literally just a process for taking an id so like did colon something colon 12345 taking that and getting a json document out of it and in that json document it has common properties such as um, a list of public keys, and it could be any public. You know, uh, it can support many different types of public keys too for different crypto. Like, you know, some keys are meant more for signing. Some keys are meant for for encryption. Um, you can delegate those keys too. So you can have you can say this key is like my master key. It can do all the things like delegation, authentication, authorization, and I think there's a few other property types for keys and um, capabilities. Um, or you can have one key that, like, you keep on your mobile phone, and that you know that's good for logging into websites or something. So you can have a list of different keys. So it's not just like one key, um, which actually kind of makes things simple. You can like scatter keys across all your devices, um, but then you can also have um, a list of services that you support. And to me, that's the big one. I often get like, "What's the difference between PGP and DIDs?" Like, you know, you take a key and it represents an identity. Um, and I, I think right,
0: and we've had PGP keys forever.
1: Exactly. Um, and I think there's two main, two big distinctions to me that really changes the game is the fact that you could have a process, like they call it a did method, but you could have a process for taking an ID, a certain type of ID, uh, DID and turning that into a JSON document. And everyone across the world sees the same picture. And, you know, there's this, uh, Bitcoin based, uh, did called Ion, as, as you kind of said, Microsoft had kind of started it with, um daniel started it under microsoft um i think most people from microsoft working on that project or around that project has have actually left it was way more than just daniel too i think they i think they all scattered after that um after microsoft started getting super esg woke about bitcoin um but uh to me the big distinctions are you could have the bitcoin global state that we do have um through the use of op returns and me and another person on the other side of the world could have the latest state for someone's you know, JSON document that represents their keys and services that they support. Um, that's the big one. And then the second one is the fact that you can list services inside of your... Um, identity, too. And with services, I mean things like um, communication. You could have like your Dropbox as one of your links so people can go view your public pictures if they wanted to. Um, Literally any service, and that's kind of why I love dids, too. It's like not opinionated. Um, You can have literally any app and service that you have on the internet today could fit inside the did model because you list it as a service endpoint. And then some of the Web5 stuff that they're working on too is even abstracts that further. So, like, there's so many different applications you can build on top of it just from the fact that you have, um, you can resolve the ID from anywhere. Um, And, and, you know, if you're using Ion, you you know, you just need access to public Bitcoin blockchain. Um, And then the fact that you have keys and services listed inside of that document. And from there, you can do communication and anything else. And you can do public key, you know, cryptography and encryption and signing. Um, just from those uh, three.
0: You can send messages. Features. You can do file transfer. You can do all these different yep, things. You can do and, but your identity, Zoom without Zoom. All of that. Uh, okay. If if you want to go there, I'm not going to go there. Um, the So the way I look at dids, I would not say I'm, I said earlier, maybe I'm a skeptic. I wouldn't say I'm a skeptic. I I think someone needs to push back on the hype a little bit because, and that doesn't mean I'm not bullish on dids. It doesn't mean I don't want dids. I think they are a massive improvement on how current identity is handled. But the way I look at it is actually similar to the way I look at Bitcoin, which I'm extremely bullish on, right? Like I've dedicated my life to working in the Bitcoin space, right? And supporting Bitcoin projects and, and working on education and whatnot, which is that it's a tool But ultimately, it depends on how you use that tool. And the way I look at Bitcoin is I do think a large majority of people will end up using Bitcoin in a very compliant, permissioned way using centralized, regulated parties. And with DIDs, I see a similar trajectory where I see people using dids that are signed by facebook people using dids that are signed by whatever government uh they are subject to right and the concern i have is that with bitcoin we have the the financial surveillance mechanisms are already in place in all standard digital payment Methods, right? You use Venmo, you use PayPal, use your credit card, use your bank. They're completely surveilled and tracked. They're sold to countless third parties, uh, data brokers, they're leaked, they're shared with governments. Like the financial surveillance panopticon is already here. So if people use Bitcoin in a financially surveilled way, um, you know, that's a continuation of the status quo, but at least a minority of people can learn, educate, take control themselves and use bitcoin in a private way. With dids my concern is that we're speeding up this panopticon digital id because we're setting up a robust system where, you know, a government just simply needs to like bolt into the system or facebook simply needs to bolt into the system and they have it all ready to go. What do you think about that concern? Is that like a, is that a real concern or
1: oh um Am I just being
0: contrarian for contrarian's sake?
1: It's a concern, but it's also true and it's also already happening. Um, Some of the, it's funny, some of the biggest funders of a lot of decentralized identity projects and verifiable credential projects are actually the DHS themselves. Um, Department of
0: Homeland Security.
1: Yep. Their Silicon Valley initiative where they, kind of throw money at startups, don't take any equity. They just throw money at startups and ask them to solve different problems and they'll have like um, a use case that they're trying to solve. So as early back, I think as 2019, um, they've been funding some of these projects around verifiable credentials and uh, decentralized identity. So it's already happening and they've already... Um I've been in on some of those meetings too and they're, they're, you know one of the times that we all kind of asked the question I'm like okay so you know we're doing a lot of like DID development and we're trying to create this interoperable system here um you know what what uh blockchain or or you know application type do you want uh to kind of see your um some of your use cases and the answer we got back from that was basically oh um the government will run The identities for everyone (laughs) right they just want the interoperability and they want the ecosystem they want all the hard work that the government doesn't do Um, and then they want us to build that and then they're going to interoperate with it uh, because everything's already using it so what you bring up is a concern because it is actually literally what's happening Um, do I think that we shouldn't still do it anyways because any good tech if it's actually good tech can be used for evil as well um but i think you have a point in like are we accelerating that um too fast Um, but the alternative would be okay if we go too slow then they're just going to roll out a i mean
0: so i mean like the perfect example is we literally went through uh the last two years was an attempt to attack The movement of individuals around the world yeah uh in the in the name of covid response right they had what is essentially amounted to movement licenses uh in these in these new health passports right and the way they chose to implement that uh you know the most powerful government on earth the u.s government chose to print out paper index cards and have you write your name down and you know I, my understanding is that it, it was a felony to fake them, um, so no one should, you know, go out and break the law. But a lot of people fake them. They were very easy to fake, and they were just basically relying on that scare tactic of if you get caught, like we're going to throw the book at you and make an example of you. Um, if there was a robust protocol ready to go for them on dids.
1: They would one hundred percent do it,
0: right? They would one hundred percent have used the DIDs instead. Yeah.
1: And in fact, it was actually kind of sickening. Um, I was in transition out of the job that I was using verifiable credentials and DIDs for, um, and actually, I was in progress of working with some of the uh, DHS people uh, at that time. And whenever some of whenever COVID happened, um, immediately. So many people from the W3C community were like posted on the mail on this. Oh, here's how we can apply COVID <laughs> va- vax passes to decentralized identities and verifiable credentials. And like overnight, I saw like startups launch their like web page about how they're going to do tracking to walk into a grocery store uh, using dids. And like, oh, this is this is using this technology. And it made me fucking sick. It made me so sick. I was like, fuck this community. Um, I I can't believe everyone's going along with it. This is literally surveillance. This is literally what we're trying to stop. And the argument at the time was sort of like, well, this, we're just letting people choose. What right. They we're want giving to people with. options. We're giving people options. At least they can own some of their data. At least they can hold on to one of their keys. It could uh, be worse. It could be worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it they would 100% use it and they would try. And if there's already an interoperable system in place, they're going to use it. But it's like, if we don't build it right now, they're going to build a very shitty d- digital identity version of it. And I don't know, maybe we can kind of go along you know, quite far before they catch up to some of the innovation and some of the self-sovereign stacks that we can build in the meantime. Because, I mean, rolling something out at scale, like right now, okay, let's say the did spec, I think it just got recommended uh, last week. Um, as a W3C recommendation, I think it finally went through. Um, okay, let's all start now. Let's see what we can build in a year or two. Um, and I bet you we beat out the government. So it's like, let's see, uh, let's see what cool stuff we can build in the meantime. Um, are they still going to use it? Yes, but you know, China doesn't need decentralized a, a decentralized identity spec to be doing some digital ID rollout over there. So it's like they're going to do it regardless. At least let's hold hold one of the keys. <laughs> um, you know, I, it, maybe fight back. I, I might mean, joke a little bit, but uh, you know. So I mean, first of all, I have two things
0: there. Um and, and freaks, this whole conversation isn't gonna be on dids. Uh the first off, uh it's it's unfortunate that that YouTube banned the dispatch channel after five days for supposedly promoting scams. Was that after the Monero one? Because <laughs> because I didn't know um, that we were going to be talking about vaccine passports, so they would have definitely banned the account uh, once that's, this stream went live anyway. Oh, yeah. So anyway, sure. YouTube can go fuck themselves. But, uh, and I'm sorry, freaks, for those freaks that prefer YouTube. It is what it is. I press the appeal button. Don't hold your breath. Uh, the second thing is, do you see a lot of... There's definitely some, I mean, I've never been in the verifiable credential community, but there's definitely a lot of similarities there with what we see in Bitcoin, where you see like the people that are like, oh, we need regulatory clarity or, you know, AOPP, like the address verification method is just an option. It just makes it easier for users. It's opt-in. They don't have to do it. Like we see a lot of that in the Bitcoin community as well.
1: Yeah. um,
0: There's a lot of parallels there between DIDS and Bitcoin. Like it's a tool, it's an open protocol. It's how you use it. Stakeholders will have different opinions on.
1: And statism, honestly, it's it's permission. it's kind of beautiful to see, right? Because that means it's, I guess, a nonpartisan issue. Like the, both sides can appreciate what it could give each side. So um, the people that are actually for more regulation and enforcement, um, they may like it because now instead of taking a picture of a fake ID and uploading it to some service. And having them like do a check, you know, have another service process whether or not that image was authenticated, uh, like authentic or not. Um, we get better. Like we could get better in en- enforcement on the regulation that regulations that do exist, like driver's license and stuff like that. You know, not. I guess uh, not all, and maybe this is the hill I die die on. But like maybe not. Sounds all like you're dying on this regulations thing, like. I'm not saying we should have zero regulations ever, like e- even under an anarchy system. What regulations do you agree with? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> being older than 10 years old, at least, to to drive a car. I mean, like there's, you know, maybe some loose level regulations that we have. Maybe better state enforcement instead of federal enforcement. But, you know, maybe, I don't know. Um <laughs> You know, maybe we
0: should, Freaks. Present. If you disagree with Tony's uh, I, opinion I disagree with on, Tony. maybe on drivers done. regulations, uh, make sure you you leave a note in the boostergrams.
1: Yeah, um, but then on the reverse side, um, it is a tool for be for people to be able to have a lot. Like, how many times have you logged into a website and you hated the fact that you had to provide an email at all? Like, you know, right? I like, hate
0: that. It's hard to even get a private email. I mean, Twitter is a perfect example. It's the only social media I use. Um, like. Twitter basically requires soft KYC, in that uh, first of all you need an email. It's hard to get an email that's not attached to your identity, and a lot of times they'll lock your account if you don't have a phone number, and it's hard to get a phone number without identity.
1: Yeah, so it, I think both it does of those appeal. suck as logins. Yeah, exactly. So. And
0: then there's another thing. There's there's the like in the broader crypto community. Um, we have Masaki in the comments saying use burner emails keck. Yeah, you can use burner emails. I'm just saying it's getting harder and harder to easily access. I mean, what if uh, you want emails. what
1: if you want a service that you want to use again?
0: Right. Oh, but well, the one time use emails, right. like a lot of times Twitter will fuck you on that too, because they'll be like, We just sent an email confirmation to unlock your account. You're like, I don't have control yeah. of that email anymore. But what I was gonna say is there's that company uh, what the broader crypto space is looking at is like there's this company that raised a shit ton of money from Anderson Horowitz and a bunch of other uh, pro-surveillance venture capitalists. And they, allow, they have you sign in with your full financial transaction history. Like you sign in with your ETH account. So like if you're talking about like dystopian shit, um, it's not just coming from the government side. Like the private sector is also proposing even worse shit. Um, I can't even like can you imagine the like who's in that meeting room that's sort of like, oh, like when we sign up for our services, we should expose our full financial transaction history.
1: Yeah. I mean that that just comes down to the fact that like Ethereum is very shitty privacy and they don't care about their users and they actually lean into the fact that Um, you know, there's bag lists and people that are rich lists and they hope uh, they hope for more proof of staking systems and stuff like that. So
0: we had chips Ahoy in the comments on Twitch saying I was driving a 10 goddamn commie.
1: (laughs) Well, no, if you're 10, that's fine. You know, when I said older, you know, uh, as long as you're 10 or old, maybe I just said older, older than 10. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But it's um I don't know. It, I mean at least you can uh, I forgot what we were saying there, but at least you can kind of like log into websites without like using some Twitter login auth or right. um you know at least a service that you want to log in again at some point. Um so It
0: sounds like a strictly better system.
1: Right. But it, you could argue on both sides, but you you do see people on the left want like more regulations and they kind of like more regulated uh, enforcement and you can do that better with digital signatures and stuff like that. On the other hand, at least I can use a website and have some of my own identity, um, that can even live beyond that website into a different one, you know, kind of like Twitter does their off stuff. So you can have your Twitter account and log into it other way. Um, you can do the same thing with decentralized identities too. So it's a way to kind of persist your data. Um, you can even like interop your data too amongst different websites. Like if you have, a, um, your data store on your server at home, like on your Raspberry Pi or something, a list of tweets, um, you can go into like, I, I love the idea of like dumb front ends, like front ends in this like DID world that just like access individual data stores and pulls them down and creates a beautiful UI from it. And we all compete on creating beautiful UIs and a beautiful user experience. We're all in, we're all working with the same data. It's just about creating a better user experience um, for that data. And that data doesn't list. Uh, that data doesn't live on AWS's servers and, and Microsoft's Microsoft servers and, and all those places. Ideally, they live on your Raspberry Pi. But someone viewing your Twitter account pulling tweets from your Raspberry Pi looks the exact same as me pulling you know Jeff Bezos' Twitter account where he keeps his tweets on AWS. So I like the fact that we can have options um, under a kind of did system and you know at least you know some of the options are very self sovereign friendly
0: i mean when it comes down to it it's you know one could argue that the internet brought about the greatest surveillance mechanism the world has ever seen bitcoin might bring in you know surveillance money for a large amount of people dids might bring in surveillance digital ids for a, a large amount of people but ultimately all three allow Sovereign individuals to take control over their lives and it empowers them and and i I would say that most people would say that the internet was a massive net benefit I think most bitcoiners would say that Bitcoin is a massive net benefit and I think we will see that play out and it's probably the same exact thing with dits right
1: yeah I think so i I think I one of the things I like to say is like you know Bitcoin fixed the money problem right um, but we still have an identity problem that we have to fix um. Like we can't live our lives with zero reputation anywhere and no identities, no trust in anybody. Um, I think even under some anarchist local economy system, you're still going to have trust in your friends and family.
0: If any, I mean, dids are super important in that situation. Yeah, you need to have some kind of easy interoperable identity system, in right? At least world,
1: at least yeah, at, at least in this digital world. Um,
0: because if you're work. talking like an anarchist world filled with citadels like you're talking about like local economies and all these different independent trade agreements and stuff like that and you you need some kind of interoperable identity layer in there as well right
1: i mean i think it helps especially if you want to interact with I guess people from other other citadels, um, you're still going to probably want to do trade with, you know, the the Austin Citadel is going to want to trade with the Nashville Citadel occasionally. You guys are going to want our beef. We're going to want your what do you guys do here? Chicken, um, we're gonna we're gonna want your chicken. We're you know we still need. We, we just launched the Tennessee beef initiative, buddy. We have a lot of beef here as well. Okay, okay, So We don't need your beef. I'm sorry. Um, but,
0: but yes, there will be trade between the two. Yeah, citadels. we need
1: your chicken still. Um, we'll figure out something to give you.
0: Um, you must have a lot of chicken and. Probably, but you guys have hot chicken. Yeah. Well,
1: we can send you spices. Um, but we're still going to, especially if we're living a world without like the government and like smaller um, privatized companies, um, you know, we're, we're still going to need a way to contact somebody else. And hopefully it's not always through Twitter. Um, you saw now like the Supreme Court is now wanting social media history to like buy guns and have your second. Well, no, like, the
0: Supreme Court's not. A, the Supreme Court knocked down the New oh, York sorry, New law. York did, so sorry. New York added a it looks like New York is going to add a new law that requires social media history.
1: Right. I said that opposite. to
0: get a concealed carry permit.
1: Exactly. And then that fucking sucks. We shouldn't need Facebook's permission to fucking get a gun. Well,
0: Facebook's going to have to sign your did in order to get a <laughs> yeah, gun. Yeah, So there's still
1: going to be some of that, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole scenario where you but go to the it's DMV, an open system. you go to the DMV and they'll, you know, it, under that kind of system where we still get some, Verifiable proof from the government, um, such as our age. You know, there's some basic things that kind of help, um, but like age and and whether you can drive and things like that. But um, you're still going to go to the DMV. You're, an you're extreme gonna
0: extreme status when it comes to driving. <laughs> you just keep bringing it up.
1: Look, I don't want to. There's a lot of idiots on the road already. Like I've been on the road the last two months. Um, I, I don't want to deal with 10 uh, year old idiots. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry for that guy in the comments. But um, you're still going to go to the DMV but hopefully ideally I bring my own did with my own data and my own keys and, and it could be a Bitcoin based did um, and I bring that to the DMV and I said, okay you know I can drive sign a verifiable credential tell tell the whole world that you know and sign it to my did and say that I can drive and it doesn't and someone can go someone can walk in with ethereum did I don't I don't give a fuck but they can sign their did you know their verifiable credentials specifying that their DID can drive. So we're still going to have some level of proofs and attestations in this world, um, even from the government itself. But ideally, it's from an ID that they can't just rip up and throw away.
0: So you said this. You said this term Bitcoin-based DID. Um, the Ion, the Ion proposal, and what what CSU is continuing at at Block involve bitcoin how do they involve bitcoin for the freaks
1: right so the way it kind of works it it uses op returns um, but it uses them in a little bit of a different way where it's not just one id per op return Um, you can do up to ten thousand different id operations so it could be like updating your id updating the keys or services or whatever or it could be adding a new one or deleting one Um, but essentially you can have up to ten thousand in a single bitcoin transaction So that's already a huge improvement. Um, But you basically do a Merkle tree hash um, of all the different did document um, operations you want to do, whether it's add or delete or update. Um, You hash them all together. You put that into IPFS documents. So there's a little bit of IPFS play here. How does IPFS work? (laughs) I have no fucking idea. Okay, I don't think it anyone. It just kind of works. Sorry, continue. Yeah, it's it's some I'm distributed hash. You. I know. I know um, is it
0: really robust? Like it feels like it's not robust at all. It's
1: it's really slow for m- most of the time for general users. From so IPFS
0: uh, is like you can think of it as like a it's supposed to be a distributed Dropbox replacement, right? And it's content like used as
1: cloud storage, but distributed. Yeah. And and it's really cool because um, if all I have is a hash, I'm pretty sure it's not robust. It's it you know it's it kind of works. Um, the
0: incentives make no sense to
1: me. Yeah, there's 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 yeah I can get into that in a second. But
0: I didn't realize so DIDs are completely relying on IPFS.
1: No, um, Ion is. Okay. So, and that's another distinction too. We, um, there's some people that say like, oh, we don't. And need by the it. way,
0: IPFS stands for Interplanetary File System, yeah. which just immediately reeks of shitcoin to me. I mean,
1: you guys were talking about interplanetary stuff last week.
0: Yeah, but we were actually talking about between planets. It wasn't like a tech stack.
1: Uh, well, this could work in okay. between planets. Okay, you know? sorry. Okay, so continue. the the cool part about um uh, IPFS, and I'll I'll continue explaining a little bit more of Ion too, but um, is that it is content addressable. So if I if I have a hash and it like represents an image, I can get if anyone on IPFS is hosting that, um, you can grab it from anyone and you know it hasn't been altered. So the image you pull down from any node on the network that has it, um, you get that back. The problem is getting it from nodes that have it. If you're just like a random person and you have an IPFS file and you have it on your laptop or your node. Um and you shut it down and and you know go you know go off along your day, um no one's gonna have access to that, like no one because you were like the only person hosting it, right. um so like as there's this whole like gossip system I think of like trying to figure out where the files are hosted, um so it takes a while for a file to actually reflect it or you can pay some of these you can pin um files you can pay some of these bigger nodes that already have. That are already well connected with each other. So there's some sort of like distributed sense to it. Um, So presumably you could keep this this did file anywhere. Right. And you, and it's okay if like, it can't be accessed at that point in time. Right. Cause you, if you wanted to, I could create a did,
0: but IPFS is like the easy solution right now, at least.
1: Yeah. And it, it's at least the solution for, um, Ion currently. So they'll write, and in theory you could maybe have one where instead of an IPFS hash, if there is a better content addressable solution for hosting files, um, you write that op return in it, but you can have the same kind of ion system, Just not on IPFS, just on like, I don't know, a better storage system. But the fact is like all decentralized storage systems kind of suck. Anyway, so like it's ION's like the best, or sorry, IPFS is just the best we kind of got right now. There's another one, I think it's some DAG, it's called some DAG thing I think Synonym's doing, but um, there's not like fantastic options for decentralized storage anyways. And then the incentives, yeah, the incentives don't really line up anyways. You can pay someone and trust that they're actually going to host it for you because they may decide not to or they may decide, you know, they may not be able to handle the load for how much traffic you think that file or something's going to get. And that's why like Filecoin got birth, which is just, Rant. It's just complete shit coin. Um, a complete shitcoin. But um, I, I I think it's fine. I, the incentives, like if 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 I ask you know Bitcoin TV to host my content and then they go away, well, all, all of a sudden their reputations burn. I'm never going to use right. them ever again. So I think it's okay that there's some trust. It's like I may pay Bitcoin TV or I may pay someone else to host my IPFS. File. There could
0: presumably be providers that right. are getting paid, probably with Sats.
1: Yeah. And you don't um, need some like cryptographic atomic proof that they're gonna do it. You just say, Well, if they ever stop, I'm never I'm gonna leave their And store. then
0: in Simple Speak where the Bitcoin chain comes in is it basically proves integrity of that file
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the most secure ledger the world has ever seen.
1: Right. And especially at that point in time too.
0: So you're not trusting the hosting provider of the file with the integrity of the file because you can confirm it with the hash that's on chain.
1: Exactly. Um, in a and,
0: cryptographically verifiable way.
1: Yeah, and then and then if you have those IPFS files, you do have to I think like unwind the Merkle tree, so you do have to like pull in individual. But presumably, IPFS like software files. can just handle all exactly. Of that shit. Software handles all of that, like the root hash that is put into the turn
0: Like most DID users are going to have no idea what any of this is, and that's fine.
1: Yeah, and you don't need to. And in fact, um, and that's like I said, just Ion's way of doing it. Um, there's like a hundred different DID methods. Most of them are shitcoins. Um, for a way that they anchor identity to a blockchain, but you don't need a blockchain at all. That's all also like a common misconception is that, oh, why would you spam Bitcoin's blockchain? um putting this on Bitcoin. You don't like did suck. They don't, you know, we don't need identity on a blockchain. So, okay, cool. You don't. Um,
0: you can but isn't have that purely... integrity aspect, super important.
1: It's important. Okay. there's And
0: they're paying a fee anyway for the transaction. Exactly. so It's not spam.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not spam. Um, what,
0: like, I mean, fees are not existent on Bitcoin. What do we care?
1: Right, um, and and then our nodes don't um, index op returns anyway, so it kind of it kind of saves a little bit. Um, they don't get indexed in our TX set. If
0: fees go up on Bitcoin, then you can further optimize in the future.
1: Right, and then right now the cap is ten thousand operations per op return too. Um, so you can do a lot of different uh, identity updates, um, and then maybe you know if the if the fees did get outrageous. Um, I believe that's just like a node, impl- like an Ion implementation. They could probably just raise that if they needed to. Um, Presumably
0: there's some limit somewhere.
1: Yeah. it's The reason they have that limit is because they don't want, because there are IPFS files that each Ion node is going to want to hold on to. They don't have to. Each Ion node can, my Ion node could decide to only store documents for my identity. Um, and that's the cool thing. I can forever store my identity on ipfs and like close my laptop and like or maybe like print it off or something or i don't know but i could like close my laptop and you know no one would be able to, if if i was the only eye on the ipfs node that had some of my document files on ipfs right if i was the only one and then i shut my laptop and and ran off um no one would be able to resolve my did or at least get the latest state or whatever whatever documents i trying to access to resolve my did those won't exist so they won't have um, the latest version of my did, my identity. Um, but at any point in time I can come back with the files and I go, oh, I didn't know if I shut my laptop, I wouldn't be able to access my identity like other people wouldn't be able to just resolve my identity. so they can you know they can pay to have it pinned elsewhere. Um, they can have they can ask their friends, they can go to the Raspberry Pi and host their IPFS files there. You don't even need to be running a full Ion node. You just need to have access. You just need to know what IPFS files that are. So that I make can like,
0: identity. I can host yours. You can host mine. Exactly. We could be ID buddies, right? So as it currently stands, Ion
1: nodes will just say, so they're mostly
0: using IPFS as like an interoperable standard. You're not actually relying on the robustness of the system because you could have right, and you could have like kind of Uncle Jim networks, right? Like friends and, the, and family, like group holding each other's ID state.
1: Right. And even if only like your local community can resolve your did, at least, you know, at least that, you know, works. Um, But as it currently stands, all Ion nodes do actually save all IPFS files to their storage um, that make up Ion identities. Okay. So the problem I said, were like I create an ion did, and I close my laptop and run away. Now no one can resolve it. That's not a problem right now because each ion node
0: is keeping a copy.
1: Exactly. But presumably,
0: if we hit you know a billion people or something, that's going to be prohibitively expensive.
1: Right. And I I believe they have done some numbers before, um, and they've arrived at like some worst case scenarios um, in the orders of magnitude of terabytes. but some of their models, that like I think it's un, like I mean okay, that's not
0: horrible. right? It's
1: not the worst thing in the world. If it if, if you say like you know a few, a few terabytes can have like millions or hundreds of millions of, of IDs, that's not the end of the world. Um, and then especially in ten years, who knows how much a, like a terabyte is going to cost? Um, so uh, there there's a ten thousand operation limit because it, it at least stops someone. I guess from is it millions? And is it millions like of, the
0: Bitcoin threat model though, where like if you the bigger issue is bandwidth than storage. Like, it does it become prohibitively expensive to run an ion node? So there's only like three of them, and they're all run by
1: evil megacorps. I think the bandwidth issue would probably have um, IPFS would have have a lot to that. I think um, I don't know what the stress tests on IPFS are, and I don't know how. Good being able to retrieve documents on like a huge, massive scale is actually going to work. The
0: ion nodes are key to the whole system, right?
1: Yeah, and the ion node is basically the ion node. What can it, anyone run an ion node? Anyone can run an ion node. You point it to your uh, Bitcoin instance.
0: Can you run an ion node without storing
1: everyone's credentials? I don't think there's a way to turn that off.
0: But presumably, someone could
1: right and create can,
0: a fork and do that. And right? you could
1: say, "I just want to be able to create ion identity." The cool thing is, you can actually have someone else publish your Ion updates on behalf of you. Um, You still sign it with your keys, but then you give the document to someone else and you say, hey, you're about to, like if I'm about to update my Ion identity and you come to me and say, you didn't want to pay any on-chain fees, but you know I'm already going to pay some on-chain fees, I can just include your update with my blockchain posting. So
0: we have uh, a, a man from the tribe of Benz Um, Ben the Carmen saying, I think the gate to running an Ion node is doing all the op return transactions. Is there a specific signature that has to be done for the op return transactions?
1: Yeah, you have to. You do have to parse um all the op return transactions, and then I believe on mainnet it starts with like one. But what
0: about submitting the op return transactions? Is that permitted? Is that permissioned? Or no? Can anyone anyone can do
1: that? So anyone will post a specific op return. Um and all the Ion nodes will look at it and judge whether or not that's like an Ion one. And if it was an Ion operation, then they go fetch the IPFS file, and then they say, okay, is this a valid Ion update or not? And if it is, well, let's say it was just something random, then they throw it away. But let's say it wasn't signed correctly, then they throw that update away. But if everything was Gucci, then they would just take that update and apply it to the did that they already have in their system. So if you want to trustlessly resolve other people's dids, You would want to run an Ion node that does um, store all the IPFS updates um, from all the other contributor, all the all the people posting. Because you have
0: to check them anyway, Uh, so it's a performance thing. Uh, Carmen was saying he meant the fees; like it would just it could be prohibitively expensive for people to run an Ion node that's submitting op returns if fees go up.
1: Yeah, but that's where you can do up to ten thousand operations in a single. single op return um so that like you know that helps a lot you can like like i said you can have your buddy do it for you Um, and i
0: was like thinking more of i was thinking more of a check like if i was running my own ion node like i wouldn't like try and uh i wouldn't try and submit everyone's updates to chain it would just be like my buddies if if the main ones weren't doing it or whatever it'd be more of like a check on power rather than exactly everyone's like, updates and you
1: can run an Ion node and like not do any updates and you're just like resolving other people's identity and maybe you don't have one yourself um, but then the cool thing is there, there's also like peer-to-peer based it's that like don't broadcast to a chain at all um, there's still there's still keys involved and you basically you take the document and you have your own peer-to-peer based ID that's like derived from that document and then I give it to you through like a text file or it's like how PGP is kind of handled, anyways. Where you take your you take your blob, a PGP file, and you like host it somewhere. You can do the same exact thing for peer to peer based dids without a blockchain involved at all. So, but the cool thing is that you're still interoperable with ever, everyone else's dids, no matter which one they choose. If if someone's using an Ion did and they want to talk to a person that's using just like a peer to peer did, and they gave them their did, you could do that. And and you can use the same applications. You talk to them exactly the same. It's just the resolving You know, I have this ID, and I need a document. How? What's the process for this ID type to get that document? And that's all that matters. That's all DIDs are really.
0: So, I mean, let's transition here. We somehow spent fifty minutes on DIDs. <sighs> I died um, on that hill, I guess. You're dying on the hill. You're the you're the main DID guy now. It's you and. It's you and uh, CSU Wildcat. Um, shout out to Dan. Uh, he's CSU Wildcat. Yeah. Um, the so, are you familiar with Block's Web five proposal? A little bit. So, like, where did dids for the freaks? Where did dids fall into that vision? What is that overarching vision?
1: The overarching vision, and I, and of course, they would probably say it better than I. Um, but it's a basically a stack of DID adjacent technology. So DIDs are, I would say, one of the biggest aspects for their Web five vision. Um, the IDs themselves, the identity layer itself. Right. But then I would say that Web five now is like building this application or developer tooling suite of tools around. Um, did. So I believe there's something they're calling a decentralized web node, um, which is basically your, they want that to be like almost your application stack that you have somewhere. Um, They want verifiable credential tooling amongst their Web5 stack, where they have, you know, tools and and processes in place, and maybe some applications where you can actually, like, share yeah, I think Matt's a good guy, and you can have, you know, build reputation systems from that or whatever. Um, And they have, like, yeah, I believe all the stuff around decentralized web node and um, some of their tooling and verifiable credential stuff. um, They're building that around. And they have the TBD
0: project. Right. Which is their like decentralized exchange protocol.
1: Yeah. And I believe that relies on DIDS as well. Relies on DIDS as well.
0: So the whole, basically the whole basis for the build out of web five is built on the bedrock of DIDS.
1: Yep. Which is beautiful to see because it's been in the works. Um, I think even well before 2017 and um, I hope we're finally kind of seeing the vision of that play out and actually get some cool applications that hopefully release soon this year um, using them and we can kind of play it with them ourselves and see see if uh, it's actually real or not but like as it currently stands I don't think you can do any of that web 5 stuff right now but there are um, I think they are working on that.
0: And the most important part of web five was that it was an elaborate troll on web three devs. Yep. Because it's two it's web two plus web three. It's two times better than web three. Yep. Oh no, it's no. it's not.
1: <laughs> it's just two increments better. <laughs>
0: it's two increments better. That's that's your your daily dose of live math. Um
1: it did did better than Marty. <laughs> two, two times three
0: is six. Um so, I mean, I assume we're going to talk more about this topic over the next two weeks as more people come into town. Um, so we'll keep coming back to this topic, among other topics. Um, let's pivot into your recent lightning privacy work. Yeah. Um, how's that going?
1: It's good. It's a lot. Um, a lot of different things. Um, so I can dive into some of that. I think, uh, I think the one that you're familiar with is some of the probing that I've been doing.
0: Yeah, what's the deal with that? You added uh, 30 gigs to my fucking storage requirements, my node.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I apologize for that. I did not even mean to. Um, I think I had like asked you if I could probe you, and you are like, yeah, sure.
0: No, I said you don't need my permission. Anyone can probe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an
0: open system.
1: So I started that.
0: What is probing?
1: Yeah, so probing. On the Lightning Network, um, there's this problem where you, basically anybody that has a channel can basically probe anyone else and probing itself is the act of sending a fake payment um, either to a node or through a node to kind of gauge information about information that they can derive from whether or not that payment that fake payment made it past that node or if it got kicked back because of things like maybe there's not enough liquidity so probing is historically used for balance probing um,
0: to see how much money you have on Lightning.
1: Yeah, and typically it's not a malicious thing. Um, services will do, especially custodians. They have to; they almost have to do this because the problem with Lightning is you you don't know the fee that you're going to actually pay until you get like that final confirmation screen of like, okay, this fee is going to be hundred sats. Um, the only reason you know it's going to be hundred sats is because the wallet did a probe behind the scenes typically it's like it, it shouldn't really show you a fee um you hit send and then it does its route finding it does its path finding it tries different paths and it fails and it eventually goes through because well, some
0: wallets will they let you pick your max. you don't you know the fee ahead fee. of time but you're like my max fee is this yeah so, so attempt the payment if it goes over the max fee then come back to me and be like you need to exactly. raise your money.
1: Or it'll only try to go down paths that are below a certain fee. Um, some of the routing algorithms have gotten smarter too where they understand that the cheapest path um, may not work very often. So they'll go a little bit above. It's like they don't want the bottom lowest 1% cheapness. They would rather like go like 5%. Because
0: cheaper fees would normally be mean like a worse node operator or something like that
1: right or yeah (laughs) that's the i mean um, i know
0: there's another thing like uh i don't know if anyone's actually doing with this with their pathfinding but uh the cheaper fee could be less private because you
1: go through less hops exactly um the cheap yeah exactly the cheapest fee the less hops. um that could end up being uh the least the least private um honestly yeah if you want more privacy when you're like making payments going around through the most amount of hops as possible not just the most amount of hops but the hops that aren't the lowest path because you can even do like if i know where your node is and where it sits and i know like another node and where it sits i know i can compute the lowest path between you and, and 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 rod or you and someone else um i already know what that is so if you actually take that path um, and their observers in the middle, they can kind of hypothesize of whether or not okay, the the payment came from this channel, and I routed it out that channel. Like how many lowest path algorithms fit that profile? So right. yeah, there's there's uh there's an advantage to kind of sending it down not the lowest path or not the lowest amount of hops. Um, but probing itself is basically they're doing that to find out what payment actually succeeds. Um, it's funny because it'll succeed in terms of probing means it made it to the destination and then it failed but you can see if it made it to that destination so you try a bunch of fake payments it makes it to the destination you know what it, you know, you'll calculate the fee on that and you say okay that's gonna be a hundred sets and then you go back to the user and say it's gonna be a hundred sats to make this payment do you want to do this yes or no and at least they have an exact amount for the fee And custodians have to have that exact amount. They can't just be charging everyone at scale like willy-nilly. They need to actually have an exact fee to see. They want the cheapest fees for the user, for one, um, but they also want to make sure that they can account for their own fees and they can get paid, too.
0: So these services are just probing left and right all the time? Oh,
1: yeah. Typically just-in-time probing, which is just like right when the payment's about to be made. They send out a probe first. Right. But they can also just be probing constantly. So... I took that probing concept, um, and I wrote about it a year ago. And we talked about it on Citadel Dispatch right. episode twenty-one. Um, you can probe for the existence of unannounced channels too,
0: right? So-called private channels. So-called private channels. Well, you don't like the term private channels, no, it's so we're not calling them unannounced channels.
1: unannounced channels now. Stop because they're mind. not private. They're not. They're not. They're. I mean, they're a little bit more private in terms of like you're not announcing them to the rest. You're not gossiping about them to the rest of the lightning network. Um, But there's a variety of ways you can figure out um, that an unannounced channel exists as in like, it could be in your invoice because you need to get paid down your unannounced channel. If you
0: need to use an unannounced channel to receive a payment, you have to give something called a root hint, which puts it in the invoice.
1: Exactly. And you give that invoice to a user and that user may pay with strike. And then all of a sudden now Strike knows about all of your nodes on announced channels. Right.
0: Strike knows a lot of shit. Strike knows Just a lot. Just in general. Shit.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny if you ever.
0: And every invoice has your node ID. We've gone over it
1: Exactly. Things. And uh, what I like doing is like writing in the memo like this is for drugs. Right. Just
0: trying to get their yeah. Strike account frozen.
1: Exactly. So if they pay in Strike, I'm like, oh, ha ha. <laughs> it's funny because they'll scan it. And then it pops up on the strike app. Oh, you're paying this for drugs. It says it on the memo. At that point, they already know. It's too late at that it's point. It's too late. But
0: <laughs> well, that's what I think we talked about previously just getting rid of the memo field. Right. Because it's a very user foot gun yeah. kind of and
1: there's something called memo hash.
0: And like the story I always give is the story of I was playing poker and I put the guy's NIM dash poker. And then he paid with strike. So then strike knew his name and that he was playing poker and could correlate my node ID with the poker game. Exactly. So what's a memo hash? It's a hash of the memo instead.
1: Right. So you put that in there, but there's still a problem of like, okay, if you write the same thing, then the same hash would be like for everyone. So if everyone put four drugs, then like all you would do is hash the word four drugs and Right, you'd have to
0: put some kind of salt there, like some salt for drugs, sixty nine or something.
1: I I like putting four four hundred milligrams LSD.
0: But then why? How is that even helpful for the recipient? uh, Um, For the sender, obviously it's helpful for the recipient.
1: Right, it's the sender
0: can't reverse engineer the hash, so they can't see what the memo payment. No, so you
1: have to send the hash out of band, and that's the problem. I think that's why it's basically unusable to use the memo hash because. So you
0: put the memo hash in band and then you put the actual context of the memo out of band and then the sender can verify based on that yep. that it was in fact the real memo yeah and if you want to that see this like imp- over it, it's over just not having a memo
1: exactly just don't have a memo but if you want to see this in and practice- each
0: individual can put their own memo like if i'm paying you in my wallet i could just put i'm paying tony Exactly, and in your wallet, you could be like, "I'm receiving money from Matt," and we don't have to actually exchange that information. No,
1: I would rather pe- we get rid of rem- memos and lightning, and whenever someone goes to pay, the sender just manually types a description and it just saves it in their phone, um, which
0: is what we do with labels for on-chain transactions already.
1: Exactly. Um, it's it's not, uh, and that. But if you want to see memo hashes be done in practice, Ben Carmen, he has um, his is operator ben coming map. here next week. Yeah, awesome. All right, so I got just docks him on. On stream, but I think, yeah.
0: He'll be on Dispatch.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he was just on Stefan Lavera last night. So, tree podcast. Yeah. I don't know what number it is. Sorry, Stefan. Stefan knows. <laughs> he knows. Um,
0: But if you want to see, Stefan can hash- famously, like, out of he, he out of nowhere, he can name any episode that he's fucking done. He's done hundreds.
1: Yeah. A uh, madman over there. Um, but uh, Opera Turnbot, made by Ben Carmen, it uses the concept of memo hashes. Um, so if you want to see this done in practice, like you know pay a um, pay a memo from bots and uh, see how that works. It, I mean, it's a bad UX in general <laughs> hashes um, okay, so we we're like, getting
0: sidetracked. So probing is sending a bunch of fake payments to learn things on the lightning network, right? whether that's fees, how much you're holding on the lightning network, or unannounced channels existing.
1: Yeah. So that one was a new one.
0: So you sent a shit ton of, unana- uh, shit ton of fake payments to my node, to the SIL dispatch node, the same node you guys used to stream stats to. And what was the result?
1: The result was your channel DB size grew 30 gigabytes.
0: Right. So you... Denial of service attacked me with storage space. Right.
1: Um, I hope freaks didn't have a problem paying Matt during that time. Um, no, payments
0: are still going, cool. going great. The great. note is
1: I specifically didn't jam your channels at least. So I made it a little bit lower. So I would send up to How
0: could you jam my channels? How does that work?
1: Oh, uh, channel jamming. Uh you just hold you do a lot basically a lot of HODL invoices. Okay. And you just hold and you exhaust all four hundred and eighty-three HTLCs that each of your channels per channel.
0: And then how, how long does that last that gym?
1: I think you can go for a few days. Um, and then you would have to do it again, (laughs) which is not that hard. You can just keep, you can
0: have it automated over
1: and over and over again. So, so
0: so anyone can just take down any lightning node. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And Yost highlighted this about a year or two ago, Yost jogger. Um, and I think he did the trial. He did it with like, I think bit refill and, um, Amboss uh, or Justifer himself, um, and they did that proof of concept on mainnet, and he actually went through and jammed the channels between. You can you can send a payment that just keeps going around in the circle. Um, going through the same channels.
0: So you don't have to send multiple. You don't even have to send and multiple. And it just keeps taking spots.
1: So like one payment, you can, you, can jam like, um, you can jam up to 20 HTLC slots.
0: But this is specifically an issue with HODL invoices?
1: Um, this is just an... I guess it's not... I That's just the way I described it. Um, it's not HODL invoices themselves. It's just like... I guess it is. Yeah. I mean, you... It doesn't have to be an auto invoice per se, but
0: can you my point is, can you disable that on your node?
1: No, so you're you're routing, um, and you have no idea how. So why now, hasn't
0: someone done this to like Kraken or Bitfinex or some shit?
1: Um, because we don't operate under an adversarial environment,
0: as I always say. So, so, so you're you're you agree with me under the belief that that Lightning is is kind of just, um. It's been operating in this honeymoon phase, basically, where you don't have really active attackers out there.
1: I I would say so. Uh, and
0: it, it probably won't get more robust until there's really active attacks, right?
1: Right. So part of my hope for some of this program, too. So, okay, besides the fact that you went up, your DB went up 30 gigabytes, right. I was able to find, I think, 15 or 16 different unannounced channels on your node. Um, I don't know if you ever went back to confirm if I didn't. that's how much she had or not. I was
0: kind of pissed off about the extra 30 gigs. <laughs>
1: You probably couldn't log into your node because it was <laughs> in. um, But I intentionally didn't. Oh yeah, that's why I said it. I intentionally didn't jam your channel so you can still operate. I at most sent like 450 HLCs at once um, instead of 483.
0: Really kind of you. Yeah, you only you <laughs> I, only like 90% jammed my fucking channels. Right. Um. <laughs> I I apologize. You guys should see the smile on your face. <laughs>
1: I I fucking love it. Um. <laughs> So I was able to, I don't know if that was all of your, your, your unannounced channels or not, but I found some as far back as like 2019.
0: Um, and the node's a really old node. Yeah. It's a, it's, I like to, the way I learn is I just, Uh, I like to push the limits, like we said earlier on the show. So I just kind of aped into lightning. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I've learned a lot of expensive lessons since.
1: And, and one Best of the things that sucks, and I guess going back to on like, okay, so we said we're going to, this this shows your unannounced channels. What does that actually mean? It means that the UTXO that is backing that channel, you thought you were making it private by making it a private channel, um, and you, you didn't announce it to the whole network. But then um, it gets probed out or it gets leaked in an invoice, and all of a sudden they can see your UTXO that you You use. can connect
0: the UTXO to it.
1: Right. Um, the amount. Um, Do
0: you know the active balance, like remote versus yep. local? Like how much no. is on each side of the note? Um,
1: I, if I wanted to go that far and actually do, if I did the balance probing attack after doing the private channel attack, the unannounced channel probing. It'd be it, a
0: second attack.
1: It would be a second attack, but I could. I and could. what,
0: you just keep increasing the payment amount yep. to see how much can go through.
1: Yep, and then once I actually... But, get with all fake through. payments. Exactly. So, so it,
0: presumably you just add another attack on top of that. So you first find the private, uh, the unannounced channel and then you do the balance probing version of that attack to figure out how much is on each node. Because because the way I like to think of lightning for the freaks is it's like an abacus, which most people probably don't even know what an abacus is. It's, those, it's like the things they used as calculators before calculators existed, where you have like little beads on a string. So you have some Bitcoin on one side of the channel and some Bitcoin on the other. One's controlled by one node, one's controlled by the other node. And natively by the gossip protocol, you can't... Um, you can't see how much balance is on each side, but with this balance probing attack, you could.
1: Yep. And if I wanted to, I could add another attack. So I find your unannounced channel. I see what uh, how much is on either side. And then I just go ahead and jam it just to like put the cherry on top.
0: <laughs> so so you... first you discover the unannounced channels. <laughs> then you figure out how much money everyone has on Lightning. And then you shut down my node.
1: Yeah. And at no cost to me. <laughs> Um, I just have to open up a bunch of channels and then I'm ready to go. Uh,
0: well, we got a long way to go, I guess.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So the positive news. Yeah, let's hit us with the positive. The positive let's news. get let's get cheery here. Um, this is in progress of being fixed. Nice. Yeah. Um. Uh. LDK has added it. I believe there's a PR for LND. I'm not sure about Core Lightning or Eclair, but they're all going to going to add it. Um. It's they're calling it like this the zero conf channel feature, so like that doesn't sound like a great feature to have, um, for most users. Like, no one's going to want to open zero conf channels, uh, between just like normal people, but it's mostly for LSPs. But with that, they had
0: lightning service
1: providers, yeah, lightning service providers. With that, they had to add the feature that you could make up a fake channel ID for your unannounced channels, okay? So, So Because like the whole reason this is possible is because the channel ID is derived from the UTXO information.
0: Right. So once you have the channel ID, you can figure out which UTXO
1: opened it. So now there's for unannounced channels, there's not, well, you know, once your software supports it, um, you're not going to have to, you don't docs your UTXO based on um, the channel ID. So you can now again, put it in a bunch of invoices and they won't know what UTXOs are associated but with But
0: you can network. still do the balance probing.
1: Um, or no? No, no. Because, because you can't probe the unannounced channel at all, because for, for one, you also, well, okay, I'll take it back a little bit. If you knew the channel ID, it would be possible to still probe it. But you would not know what UTXO was derived from it still. You could maybe do a
0: Wait, so you probe. couldn't just do the probing attack that you're already doing?
1: No, because um, the way it works, like. It's a uh, channel ID is a number, basically. Um, And it would be too, it's too hard to just guess the number because it could be any random number. Um, I am actually looking at every, I scan the blockchain for every unspent P2WSH transaction. Right. um, Which is the kind of transaction that an open lightning channel uh, is. Um, There's about 860,000 unspent um, P2WSH transactions. Okay. Um, and you need it to be unspent because, like, that means it's still in a channel, right?
0: It, it's a channel open, but no close.
1: Exactly. Um, so that's the set I get to work on instead of like a number between one and you know, I don't know, two to the power of sixty-four. I'm literally just dealing with like a binary amount, like just a, a numerical amount of probes. Um, so if I wanted to scale this up, like I think I spent like a day or two doing a complete eight hundred thousand probes against you because we're we're also going through Tor. It's also taken a while, right? Um, maybe, the
0: shittiness of Tor is maybe me. maybe
1: my probe starting up is what made Tor go shitty. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you 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 DDoS the Tor network.
1: Uh, that'd be great if that's like what I accidentally did. Um, but no, so we were even going through Tor, and I think it was like I was only able to do like five probes a second, which is still pretty good on Tor in the grand scheme of things. Um,
0: what was that like? That young ETH dev or whatever. That remember when he like. Uh... He fucked up the multisig because he like called the function or something he was just like fucking around and then he posted he posted on the on the forum or something he's like i think i killed it or something To that. oh effect.
1: yeah it like shut down the entire smart contract yeah, yeah. they
0: lost a bunch of eth on that
1: <laughs> yeah um it's like
0: I'm, that but you and tor
1: yeah you and tor or, or me and lightning um but like that's 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 the thing um wait
0: so just to go back here a little bit so the probing attack as currently stated you're able to basically, with a fake payment, go down those unannounced channels. But I thought you can't, like unannounced channels aren't used for routing
1: But they without route hints. Right. They can, though. You can't actually use them. If you force your way through. If you force your way through. And okay. the reason that has to be, you can say, oh, well, what if I tell my node not to just route any payment? Well, the other node doesn't know if it's just paying you. So it has to give you right. that payment. And you ha- like you would want it. To get to your node. Right. And then your node decides whether or not it was a payment. If it wasn't a real payment, then it throws it back. Okay.
0: So then let's go back forward. The So with this change that's soon to be implemented, you couldn't just do that same probe and then do some kind of like timing analysis on when that channel was created with the UTXO set?
1: No, because since it's not, since the channel ID is no longer derived, and 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 if we're moving to just random channel ID aliases, it's too big of a number set to be able to actually reasonably right. guess any a single. Probe. So would
0: you be and even if
1: I did, even if I got. I could maybe figure out that there was a channel between two nodes that unannounced, but I won't know it's I won't know it's UTXO information or to amount or any anything like that.
0: And you, but you could still balance Probit, right?
1: Yes, you could still balance Probit. So it. you wouldn't
0: know what UTXO is based on, but you know the channel existed and how much right. was in there. So
1: in theory, if you leaked out that channel ID um, through an invoice, someone with an invoice, one of your invoices can probe that and also route down it if it wanted to. Um, The main reason, honestly, to have unannounced channels in this day and age, not for privacy at all. It's it's mostly just for the fact that you're signaling to the network. You probably don't want to use this channel because it's from a mobile node that's going to, don't use
0: line. it for routing.
1: Don't use I'm it for I'm telling routing. you
0: not to use I'm, it for routing. I'm
1: asking you not to for your own benefit. You can, but like you're not going to get anywhere. So what's the name of this change we're talking about? We're talking about zero zero confirmation yeah. channels. So zero confirmation channels or SCID aliases. They're kind of the they lump together um and but the cool thing is like I Would
0: you call them private channels again after this update or would you still call them unannounced channels?
1: I would still call them unannounced channels cuz I mean, I don't know. That's a good question because at least you get to hide the UTX information now, um, and even if you dox the fact that you have a unannounced channel, you don't dox the UTXO. So I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe they are going to be private channels now. You know, um, you're still telling it to your node partner, so you know they could like tell other people, I guess. But
0: but th- but your node partner can't tell the UTXO either that was used. No, they know. Your node partner knows. Yeah,
1: your node partner knows. Even
0: though the channel ID isn't derived from the UTXO. Correct.
1: Yeah, because they're both waiting on the fact.
0: Oh know. right, they have to know. It's they part have. of the.
1: Yeah. It's it's, it's what part of the
0: trust model.
1: Exactly. If they didn't know, they're
0: looking at the collateral as it's. Right. They're going to have to be able to do the penalty transaction to take your UTXO if yeah. you fuck with them.
1: Yeah. Um. But the cool thing is, like, besides your node, I probed uh, two other nodes, and okay. one of them was uh, the async node.
0: Okay, one of the um, largest nodes in the, the network, the, yeah, like the
1: largest node um is it the largest node? I think it largest channel per channel it okay. is um I was able to find four hundred how, how many gigs did you add to theirs? I don't well, actually so <laughs> because they're not running l and d, I don't think I added very many oh because
0: they're running async
1: right um so they were fine, and c is fine, and l and d will be fine soon with some updates um but i was able to find 400 i like
0: don't 000. even want to be running lnd but i I don't want to close all my channels i have so many right. channels i mean you know better than most how many channels i have on that node. so yeah i know the exact number <laughs> <laughs> okay so sorry you you probed the async node
1: um and i was able to find with just um i only sent out thirty thousand probes and i found 445 unannounced channels that they had opened how many 445 okay um totaling over 10 bitcoin worth wow yeah um and and some of them you know went back for a while but um someone did some visualization for me on some of my data so i open sourced all of this data the all the code to do to do this is out there so
0: where can people find that
1: um hidden lightning network.com
0: great domain
1: yeah Um, uh, which just redirects to a github page <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Go there. All the code is there. There's like a data folder to or a results folder to go and find the actual data results for this. Um, someone s- did some visual- visualization for me, and it actually is kind of cool. He was able to see when um, all of the channels were open and how much were opening. And it, it's like the start. You know, the the I think their new um, LSP that they launched. Um, there was a huge uptick in unannounced channels being open because they're an LSP and they're they have right. a mobile app and it makes sense that um you know someone like them I want to I want to eventually probe breeze and, but that
0: can't know, be all of their unannounced channels right no. they must have way more than 400 I,
1: I only probed 30,000 out of 800 so I did okay. like what uh out of 800,000 800,000 yeah sorry um I only did like like a few percent I'm not going to try and do math right I, now yeah, I'm not uh, like a few percent I think Less, like 5%. Yeah. Um, and I, I those 30,000... Um, right, very,
0: less than 5%, because 5% would be 600K. Yeah.
1: Um, math. Math. Um, out of that 30,000, the reason why I got so many just from that is because I just used UTXOs that looked like they could have been lighting channels. So like a very round number that's like a hundred thousand or a million sats right the Um, round number ones are round numbers um people love their round number channels i know myself Um, included and and then the fact that it was like only one of two in the change output because like you're not doing batch people don't batch channel open right um you can now but people don't um it's too hard honestly to do it um And yeah, so everyone uses just round numbers and it's usually the only transactions in that um, output, just two. So it was able to, uh, like, that's probably a high percentage, like 445 channels from that 30K. It's pretty high, right? It's pretty high percentage-wise. The rest of the, you know, 800K probably won't be the same percentage that I find, but I'll probably still find But if it was
0: the same, I guess you could extrapolate. I mean, if we're just going to multiply by 20, over 8,000 private channels. Yeah, could be. But that it's it's even it's even it would be even more than that. It would be like ten thousand channels, something like that,
1: right? And then who knows how many Bitcoin? Maybe fifty. I mean, it's an interesting. So why did you stop? <laughs> so I stopped because my L and D kept fucking up. Yeah. So a little bit about how this project works. I'm I'm using LDK, um, okay. which is really cool. I've been playing around with that for the last few months. Um and but because I don't trust the
0: new lightning implementation, a, a new lightning a rush, implementation championed by the Spiral team,
1: right? Um, and it's it's gone a long way. Like a lot of people have been using it now, it's gone a long way. Um, you still have to do a lot. Like there's no batteries included so like you have to figure out how to create your ldk project um and quite honestly i didn't trust myself to just connect to any node on the network with my ldk node that i had like hand built um but shout out to paul miller he helped a lot on um on my LDK future paul node. on twitter future paul go follow him um give him engagement he's uh, a ride
0: or die freak too
1: yeah love the guy uh he'll be here next week yeah he's, he's gonna be on to dispatch monitor.
0: as well He's gonna be on dispatch. Love it.
1: Um, but I didn't trust my LDK implementation, so uh, I connected it to my LND node at home. Um, but that started slowing down. That started getting fucked up after so many payments. I had a hard time compacting the DB. I had to fork LND. Um, and a- as advice against out from from Alex Bosworth, he said don't. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to take this PR and I'm going to patch it onto my l and He's like, don't do that. <laughs> um, I did it and it worked. Um, I got my 30 gigabytes <laughs> compacted down like 128 megs. Um, and I'm worried about updating in the future. But because it's still not merged and they're still fixing some of the issues.
0: But so long story short, your LND node failed while you were probing. Right.
1: Um, and it was in the middle of the Austin hackathon. I'm like trying to get this data out there to like be able to talk about it. And my node keeps fucking up at home. So I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm going. Whatever, to... partial data set. Partial data set. It's out there. People can view it. It's actually a kind of a nice warning. I can warn people, like, hey, if you actually, like I warned you a year ago with that article, but if you actually right. still think private channels are private, um, then close your channels now if you don't want to be probed. So um, hopefully sometime this week I started again. I'm going to set up a C-Lightning node. Hopefully it's more reliable.
0: Yeah, because in the privacy game in general, every, like there's pretty much wide agreement that like the worst case scenario for user privacy is when a user thinks they're private but they're right. not. And the thing that's going to suck it's is... The, it's better if they just assume lack of privacy and don't have privacy. Exactly. Than if you're if trying the to opposite.
1: hide your UTXO, it's like don't do it in a lightning channel right there's other ways to do it i think I in the article i wrote you can go back and read some of the suggestions i have if you want privacy on lightning um but with this short channel id aliasing stuff that's going to be fixed um you're going everyone's going to have to close their private channels to take advantage of that um and open them again well that fucking sucks yeah well at least fees are still cheap yeah so people are like oh well why you're probing this is going to be fixed i'm like it'll be fixed when when I don't find any results anymore and no one has private channels anymore.
0: Uh, okay, freaks. Well, you heard it from Tony. Keep all this in mind. Uh Tony, we have a comment uh from satrinity ride or die freak. Uh fucking love this dude. He's he's a real one. Uh when you get a chance, would love to hear your thoughts on privacy implications of using CL Boss automated node manager to open and balance channels with say a large single post mix utxo do you have any thoughts on this
1: I haven't used CL boss um, itself um
0: Carmen says by the way they're adding a migration mechanism
1: so to, to between l d and others um, thanks
0: for filling the gaps here Carmen <laughs> appreciate it
1: um CL boss um, I don't know too much about it but I believe it's not using like a centralized server or anything it's only using your nodes metrics to be able to try to um rebalance your channel so I don't I don't yeah, there's not really a privacy concern there too much. Um, and, and in fact actually I would say like rebalancing channels kind of helps your privacy a little bit because you're sending payments out down one channel and they're succeeding those channels don't know it's coming in a different way. It's coming back to you. It's coming back to you. So it's almost like if you were to do... It's a pump fake in football. Right. <laughs> pump fake or 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 um, what's, what is it? Is it, is it ricochet in, in Samurai where like you send a bunch of payments amongst yourself? Um, you just add hops to your own... Ricochet digital. is the one that adds hops. Right. Yeah. So that would be like the equivalent. Like doing rebalancing actually probably helps your payment and onset because... You're... And
0: in general, using Lightning privacy-wise... Using uh, a single post coin join collaborative transaction UTXO with one or two largest channels, and then just getting rid of the node and starting fresh is like the best.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, we can talk about a little bit, but um, me and Paul, um, we worked on PLN, which is like we're calling it like the private Lightning wallet. Right. Um, So we've started that, and its only feature right now really is whenever you open a channel, it's, it spins up a new node. So every time that's you open cool. a channel it spins up a new node, you can only send, uh, if you try to, if you try to <laughs> receive, you get a, a funny meme pops up. Um, because receiving is not private. Sending is, has pretty good privacy. So it's, it's like, ideally you have one node. You're calling per private channel. lightning wallet. P L N. Mm-hmm. PLN. Great, great name. Yeah. It, it gets the job done. Um, that's its only purpose is to just spend Bitcoin. Can people use that today? Uh, it's, it, we just started, we just started at a hackathon. So we really only spent like 48 hours on it. So no. Um, but we do have a GitHub for it. Um, I think it's just bake shop slash PLN.
0: So when we have Paul in, we'll talk more about that too. Um, (coughs) so, I mean, we're at an hour and 30 minutes. Um, this is a fantastic grip i always appreciate you joining us um i'm sure i'm going to have you on multiple times over the next week if, if you would do i'll so. be here uh that'd be fucking awesome uh before we wrap up hit us with some final thoughts
1: final thoughts um uh i don't want to die on the did hill but i think they're cool um, lightning privacy is really hard. Join matrix dot Um, chat about some lightning privacy stuff if you want. Um and uh yeah, stay safe out there. Stay stay safe out there.
0: Uh, what lightning hackers is a matrix group. mm mm-hmm. So yes. And Ma- that's on the matrix.org server?
1: Um No, I'm running it myself. So it's just matrix dot Okay. To to join it. Okay. But that right. I think you can find it if you search the general... Because
0: um, I'm in a different instance, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know how that works. But
0: it's hosted on lightninghackers.com, not matrix.org server. Correct. Yeah. yeah, Awesome. Okay, I will join that as well. Um, shout out to all the freaks who joined us in the live chat. Uh, real quick, BTC Waterpants said on Twitch, I like CL Boss. I wouldn't have channels without it because I'm not fucking managing them. Great comment. Nice. Um... I appreciate all you freaks. Uh, remember the easiest way you can support dispatch is through podcasting 2.0 apps. Specifically. I fucking love the boostograms and being able to send messages so I can read them. Uh, but if you have no sats to spare subscribing on your favorite platform, whether that's Bitcoin tv.com, Twitter, Twitch, or your favorite podcast app by simply searching "Sil dispatch. Like I said, I did put the appeal into YouTube. Don't hold your breath. Uh, But ideally, it will get overturned, so you can get notifications on YouTube. But right now, you can get notifications on Twitch. With all that said, I love you all. Stay humble and stack sets.